1: Coming to you from hometown America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, Bedford, Virginia. Welcome to Cop Talk. I'm Captain Robert Kimbrell.
2: I'm Sergeant Joe Dooley.
1: And folks, we are back. You know, we're back from uh, Joe and I were actually uh, in the studio today. We've been gone a week. Uh, We were in Dallas, Texas, attending the International Associations of Chiefs Police uh, Conference And we had a very productive experience at the conference. Uh, You know, we spent days networking, uh, not only with some of the best and brightest minds in law enforcement profession, but we also had meetings with some of the uh, most prestigious companies out there that support the mission of law enforcement around the globe. We spoke with folks from some internationally recognized organizations. uh, Most of our listeners are probably familiar with such as Motorola, Ford, Dodge, Smith and Wesson, Glock, and of course Sig Sauer, who is the manufacturer of the line of police pistols that we carry here at the Bedford Police Department. We also met with representatives, CEOs, and presidents of several other companies that you may not be familiar with, such as Guardian Angel, Laser Ammo, Leads Online. Uh, We met with folks from Off Duty Management, Hexagon, Central Square, and Axon, who is actually the manufacturer of our Taser, less lethal option that we uh, also carry here at Bedford PD. One of the most important meetings that we had, however, in Dallas was uh, with a company that most folks have heard of, which is TI Training. And TI Training is a provider of a training simulator. Uh, you know, we were able to check out their simulator system that allows law enforcement agencies to conduct important de-escalation and school safety training. And in addition to that, it helps also reduce cost related to firearms training by allowing officers to triple the amount of training that they get each year through the use of hundreds of base actually base scenarios. And, you know, those base scenarios actually branch out into thousands of outcomes determining uh, it's actually determined on how the officer interacts with the scenario itself. Uh, So uh, with that in mind, we, you know, we're back here. We just wanted to give our listeners a quick rundown on the work that we did while we were attending the IACP conference and it was time well spent and which I feel will be very beneficial to BPD as uh, we move forward. Uh, you know, and move the department forward in the future. What do you think, Joe?
2: I agree. Uh, absolutely, 100%. There was It was overwhelming as far as the amount of uh, vendors that were there. There were over 7,000 uh, vendors in the uh, conference center there, or the convention center. Um, Dallas Police Department, I'd like to give a shout-out to them. They did an amazing job with all the people that they had on site for the entire duration of the uh, The conference Uh, no issues that I'm aware of which means either there weren't any to be had or they took care of them before there was ever a problem and to uh, piggyback off of what you said as far as the TI training um, one of the things that I learned in, in firearms instructor school is with the way that ammunition is and the cost that it is to the department and the difficulty that it is to get rounds in for training the low round count high training value is a valuable asset that a lot of departments have adapted as far as their ability to train. And in this case, it would be a no round count high training value, which is even more of a benefit uh, in the overall scheme of things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Joe, I I agree. one hundred percent. And, you know, so we really appreciate the time that folks gave us out there and with those meetings and uh, we had a good time out there and Joe, you know, Folks, we Joe and I want to also send a shout out to Officer Steven Spurberg, uh, who will be graduating from the Police Academy today.
2: Yes, congratulations.
1: Yeah, we are very happy to have you. You know, we're happy to to have you here with us, and uh, we know that uh, your family is very proud of you. We welcome you as the newest sworn police officer at the Bedford Police Department. Uh, folks, one other reminder is, you know, as Halloween's approaching here, what is it, Joe, next, what is it, Monday? Monday. Already? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, as Halloween's approaching, folks, we just want to remind folks out there that uh, to remi- remember about your pets, as far as your dogs especially, uh, and and keep those dogs secured while all those children are being, you know, coming up to your homes and whatnot to get their treats. And uh, we just want to uh, avoid any type of, uh, you know, altercation between any type of uh, domestic dog and and any of the trick or treaters because uh, it could be uh, something that, uh, you know, leads to something like we had what Joe, that the Amazon situation where there was a Amazon delivery person, I guess, mauled mm. my dogs. Yeah. Right. So we just want to make sure that everyone takes care of your pets and rem- remember, you know, remember your pets during Halloween and remember all those children out there that'll be walking. And also all the motorists out there, you know, uh, use extreme caution, uh, because they, you know, these little trick or treaters out there will be out there and they're all excited. And, uh, they may not be thinking totally about, uh, you know, traffic safety. So,
2: yeah. So no matter where you're listening, whether you're here in town, because as you know, as long as the weather's decent, you know, how busy, um, the most popular area in town being Longwood Avenue and, and that facility down North bridge and around Avenue and down towards Bedford Avenue, make sure you use extreme caution regardless of where you are and where you're driving. Um, a lot of times these kids like rob said are excited and they may see something and take off in that direction and that direction may be across the street so we want you as drivers to be extra vigilant also parents make sure you're taking the time to check your kids halloween candy be thorough make sure they just don't dive in um unless it's from somebody you trust like a you know a a relative but make sure you're double checking all those things um it's, it's something that we, we hate to have to remind people, but the fact of the matter is, it is something that needs to be reminded. So make sure you're taking care of that and taking care of your little ones. Uh, and just be safe out there on Monday and have a good time.
1: Yeah, and what we're going to do today is we're actually going to continue uh, our series that we had began in, in September uh, and, and talking about uh, National Preparedness Month back in September And we moved right into uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month here in in October. But uh, we promised you that what we were going to do is we were going to talk about the A's to Z's, the A to Z of uh, national preparedness. And what we're going to discuss today is something, of course, that has been in the news uh, practically every day, uh, which is active shooter. So we're going to go over some really, really brief things because we've talked about active shooter uh, several times on our podcast before uh, and then we're going to go right into avalanche. And what we want people to understand is while you may not see too many avalanches right here in, in Bedford, Bedford County, uh, to to all of our listeners across the country and throughout the world that uh, may be listening, you know, you may be in a situation or our Bedford folks may be going on vacation to an area uh, up in Colorado or Alaska or somewhere else that, uh, may, you know, have the threat of an avalanche. So we're actually going to go right through the A to Z with you throughout the next several weeks. And we'll start today with, uh, active shooter.
2: <clears throat> Being prepared for an active shooter with recent national tragedies remind us that the risk is real. Take a few steps now that can help you react quickly when every second counts an active shooter is an individual engaged in attempting to kill people in a confined space or populated area. Active shooters typically use firearms and have no pattern to their selection of victims.
1: Yeah, Joe. And I guess active shooter can happen anywhere and it can happen anytime. So do you have some tips that the folks might want to keep in mind?
2: Absolutely. If you are involved in an active shooter incident, make sure that if you see something that you say something. Don't wait until it's too late. You can actually prevent things from occurring if you just speak up on things that you see that aren't right. Um, Remember the three keys of run, hide, fight. These are also important as far as what we're going to discuss. Before you run, know your exits. Um, You don't want to run around aimlessly, and that would cause a lot of mass confusion, especially if other people are following your lead. So take time to know the area. If you're not familiar with it, get familiar with exits in areas that you visit frequently, and also take time to visit the area. Make sure you know the exits of the places that you don't. Uh, find a place to hide. Make sure it's somewhere that's going to be secure and conceal you, uh, and it's not somewhere that's easily visible or easily to be spotted by the individual. Learn first aid skills so that you can help others. It's very important. Um, make sure that you're able to take care of people and you can actually help save and prevent tragedies from occurring in this manner, not just in this incident, but in other incidents that may come through, uh, in the passing, uh, you know, scenarios, help law enforcement, be a good witness, make sure you point out the individual. If you can get information as far as the direction of life, they they were last seen what they were wearing, if they were alone, um, if they weren't alone, if you can get descriptions of more than one. Also seek help to to cope with trauma. If you need to to speak to someone, as far as a professional and counseling about things that you're dealing with, and not just in this incident instant, but with all others, make sure that you're not afraid to to reach out. It's not a sign of weakness to know that there's something wrong. You can't solve a problem until you actually acknowledge that there is one. So I would say that those are some of the some of the tips that I'd like to pass along to the listeners.
1: Well, those are great ch- tips, Joe. And, you know, let's get a little bit deeper into that and maybe talk to about some specifics with them, you know, and, and, uh, I guess the first part of that would be, you know, how to actually prepare. And, and, uh, as Joe said, if you see suspicious activity, let an authority know right away, you know, don't wait. We have too many incidents out there where folks will wait and, and then, uh, wait till the police get on the scene later and then say, Oh, you know, I did see such and such, you know, I, I did see this incident and, And we have that happen all the time, even on situations, not active shooter. I had a person one time where we uh, went to investigate a burglary and the person said, well, I did see the people loading stuff, you know, out of the back window of the house, you know, and, and if they would have uh, let us know when they saw that we could have actually caught the folks uh, right away rather than have to go through all the investigation. Uh, Many places, you know, such as houses of worship, workplaces and schools, they have plans in place to help you respond safely. So ask about these plans and get familiar with them. If you participate in an active shooter drill, talk with your family about what you learned and how to apply it to other locations. And then when you visit a building, such as a shopping mall, healthcare facility, take time to identify two of the nearest exits to you and get in the habit of doing this everywhere you go. You know, we always talk about situational awareness and being aware of what's out there and sight lines and and being observant and, and vigilant to what's going on around you. And that's part of that, you know, map out places to hide, uh, you know, in rooms without windows behind solid doors with locks under desks or behind heavy furniture, such as large filing cabinets, they can all make a good hiding place and also sign up for active shooter, first aid and tourniquet training. And you can actually learn how to help others by taking FEMA's course, you know, and they have a course that they, they do. That's, uh, your, uh, you are the help until help arrives course. And you can learn more about that at ready.gov. So just go to ready.gov and they have an area in there where you put a slash and then until hyphen help hyphen arrives. And it'll take you right to that. But if you go to the ready.gov site, uh, that's a FEMA site, it'll, it'll fill you in on, on all those things.
2: At this point, if you're actually involved in an incident with an active shooter, these are some of the information as far as to help you survive during the incident, Based on the run, hide, fight uh, information, run to get away from the shooter or shooters is a top priority. Leave your things behind and run away. If safe to do so, warn others nearby. Call 911 when you are safe. Describe each shooter, their locations, and weapons. The second option is hide. If you cannot run away safely, find a place to hide. Get out of the shooter's view and stay very quiet. Silence your electronic devices and make sure they won't vibrate. Lock and block doors, close blinds, and turn off the lights. Do not hide in groups. Separate um, out along walls or hide separately to make more difficult for the shooter. Try to communicate with police silently, such as through text message or by putting a sign in an exterior window. Stay in place until law enforcement gives you notice that all immediate danger is clear. And finally is fight your last resort. When you're in immediate danger is to, is to defend yourself, uh, commit to your actions and act aggressively to stop the shooter. Ambushing the shooter together with makeshift makeshift weapons, such as chairs, fire extinguishers, scissors, and books can distract and disarm the shooter.
1: And Joe, we know as law enforcement's arriving, folks want to also keep that in mind that, uh, you know, you can survive the initial incident, but if you do something wrong as law enforcement's coming through there, it could lead to tragedy. So we we want you to keep your hands visible and empty at all times. Don't make any sudden movements as law enforcement is coming through and know that, you know, as we've discussed in the past, that law enforcement's first task is to end the incident. That means stopping the, the actual shooter from shooting other people, right? Uh, so, you know, we would have to pass on injured persons along the way. And that's the hardest thing for, for everybody to know about, including the law enforcement officers. It's always the hardest thing for them to actually step over people that are wounded. Uh, but they're, they're, you know, not the first responders that are there to actually treat wounds. And we want, you know, to reiterate that when those first officers arrive, they're going to go through that building, move through that building, and they are going to, uh, initiate contact with the shooter as quickly as possible and eliminate the uh, threat at that point. So keep that in mind. And, you know, as law enforcement is coming through and, and giving instructions, make sure you follow those instructions and evacuate in the direction that they tell you and in the way they tell you. So if they tell you to put your hands up and keep them raised and open, uh, you know, keep your, your palms open and everything, your fingers open, spread out, then do that. If they tell you to put your hand on your head and run out that way, do that, you know, but listen to those instructions carefully and follow those instructions. And then in the aftermath, folks, we we always want to remember the mental trauma that goes with this, and consider seeking professional help for you and your family to cope with the long-term effects of this trauma. And why we say you and your family is is even if it's just one person in your family that's been involved in an active shooter situation, it will affect your entire family. And and being able to uh, get help Uh, so that your family members can also learn how best to support their family member that had to go through an active shooter incident. It's very important. So, Joe, what do you think about avalanche?
2: Well, like you said, it's not something that you would think is prevalent here in the United States. Um, However, on average, 28 people die in avalanches every winter in the U.S. alone. Uh, People caught in avalanches can die from suffocation, trauma, or hypothermia. And for those of you that are not familiar with an avalanche is a large amount of snow moving quickly down a mountain. And sometimes people are caught beneath the heavy snow from the avalanche and they may not be able to dig themselves out.
1: Yeah, Joe and I, I guess I understand that they can Avalanches can actually be caused by people. They can be caused by new snow. It can even be caused by wind, you know, and, mm. And, uh, and it can move at speeds of, of up to 60 to 80 miles per hour. So just imagine that snow coming down there at, at 60 to 80 miles per hour down a, down a mountainside, down a hillside. And, and, Joe, the other interesting thing I, I learned was that the peak season is from December through March. Hmm.
2: I did not know that. But that speed is, is intriguing. You stand out there near the highway and have a car go by at 60. That's a pretty good yeah. clip for a mountain of snow to be rolling towards you. Absolutely. There's ways that you can protect yourself from avalanches. Uh, Some of those are to get training on how to recognize hazardous conditions and locations to avoid. Learn how to properly use safety equipment. Sign up for alerts on current avalanche dangers. Uh, Use proper equipment. This includes helmets and uh, materials to create pockets of air if trapped. Use use devices to support rescue. And use a guide familiar with the area. Always have a buddy.
1: You know, so when we start diving into that a little bit uh, more specifically and talking about preparation, uh, learn about your local avalanche risk, you know, and that's for those of you that are planning a, an, you know, a vacation uh, to somewhere. Uh, look that up first, especially if it's during those winter months about what the avalanche risk is, because we definitely don't want you to go out there expecting to have a bunch of fun and then, uh, you know, tragedy strikes. So learn about the risks, sign up for uh, the local alerts through the U.S. Forest Service Avalanche Center that's nearest you or nearest the area that you're going to be visiting. Uh, your community may also have a local warning system. So check that out if, if uh, the community has one of those, you know, learn the signs of an avalanche, which are so important. And how to save, uh, use safety and rescue equipment. Uh, consider taking first aid training to recognize and treat suffocation, hypothermia, traumatic injury, and shock. And always travel with a guide. You know, you want to travel with a guide who knows the locations to avoid. Uh, always travel in pairs, like Joe was saying. You know, just don't be out there meandering around by yourself in avalanche territory. And follow avalanche warnings on roads. You know, roads may be closed or uh, or vehicles may be advised not to stop on the roadside even. Uh, Know the signs of increased danger. And it could be uh, recent avalanches and shooting cracks across slopes, things like that. And always avoid areas of increased risk, like slopes steeper than 30 degrees or areas downhill uh, of the steep slopes.
2: If you are unfortunate enough to find yourself in an incident such as an avalanche, There are some things that you can do to try to improve your survival. One is to wear a helmet to reduce the head injury and an avalanche beacon to help others locate you. That was part of the electronics that I had mentioned in some of the tips before. Use an avalanche airbag that may create air pockets to give you more space to breathe and to help you from being completely buried. Carry a collapsible avalanche probe and a small shovel to help rescue others. If your partner or others are buried, call 911 and then begin the search. Treat others for suffocation, hypothermia, uh, traumatic injury, or shock.
1: And that's real important, Joe. So you know, knowing the signs and the ways to treat hypothermia are so important. Hypothermia is actually the unusual low body temperature. Uh, It's a body temperature below 95 degrees, and that it constitutes an emergency Mm -hmm. and signs of hypothermia could be shivering, exhaustion, confusion. It could be fumbling hands, memory loss, slurred speech, and drowsiness. And the actions that you want to take is you want to try to get that person into a warm room or a shelter as soon as possible. Uh, Warm the center of the body first, the chest, and then the neck and head and groin and, and keep, you know, the person dry as possible and wrapped in warm blankets, including the head and neck area, Joe. So, Joe, you know, we we went through the A's pretty quickly today, which is a good thing. And we'll be, like I said, going from A to Z here coming up. Uh, What else you got, Joe? What's on your mind now? Got a couple minutes.
2: Well, a lot of times I have people ask me questions just as they ask you questions out on the street or somewhere that we may be off duty and they want to stop and ask you something. And one that seems to come up more often than not over the course of my career is what are my rights if someone's breaking into my home or on my property? Um, what, do I have the ability to, to harm that intruder by shooting them if they're in the house? If they're not, they ask about things that they've heard of called like the castle doctrine. They hear about other states with their stand your ground laws. So those are some of the things that we particularly get that people ask for clarification on.
1: Yeah, and you know one of the things, and and I don't know if we'll actually have enough time to actually talk about all that today mm-hmm. uh, because we're running so short on time, but uh, maybe we can get into that deeper next week. Uh, but what what we, you know I can say is one, of course, Virginia does not have a technical t- castle doctrine. So uh, you might hear about castle doctrines in, in places like you know Florida or or somewhere like that that may have one um we don't necessarily have one one thing that uh, i can tell people and of course joe i guess it's important to start out by saying hey joe and i cannot of course act as an attorney for anybody uh so don't take this as legal advice uh our our only legal advice to you is to consult an attorney <laughs> so yep. that that's that, i, I want to get our that disclaimer. Of, yeah i want to get that out of the way first but but when, when you know when we start talking about things like that about use of force uh of any type uh it's so such a fluid situation. Uh, there, there's no two situations. Like what I can tell you is that, uh, you know, police officers are being sued civilly, uh, in court for use of force situations, including, uh, firearms, especially, uh, and they're being prosecuted criminally. So these are police officers, of course, that are trying to do, um, react to incidents that are, are you know, in most of the time are, are split second type decisions. Uh, and they are being, you know, prosecuted in the line of their duty. Uh, so just keep that in mind that, uh, you know, when it's a police officer that can be prosecuted, then, you know, you can definitely be prosecuted, um, for your actions involving the use of force as a civilian, you know, uh, one of the things that, that folks need to understand as well is while Virginia doesn't have a castle doctrine, uh, technically in Virginia, you know, there, there is a situation where, uh, you can stand your ground, but only, but so far. So what that means is that say that, uh, you had a, a person, uh, and you're, say you're driving down the street and all of a sudden some guy is, is tailgating or whatever and blowing the horn and comes around you and, and cuts you off. And he jumps out of his car and, uh, comes over and, and is banging on your window of your car. In a road rage style incident, you know. Um, the person in the car that most likely doesn't even know what they did to make this guy mad, uh, that person doesn't necessarily have to back down or retreat. All right. That person can react to that. Uh but uh but their best reaction in a case like that, Joe, is probably to get away from that to person, avoid drive situation. i right?
2: I'll, I'll I'll uh and we will go into this, like you said, further. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to bring that up as yeah. a topic that we can discuss uh, in the upcoming episodes. Because it's something that we uh, we get a lot of. Yeah, And I think people are sometimes looking for permission yeah. to do certain things, whether it be one thing or another, whatever is on their mind. And And I will tell everybody this. You are responsible for your actions. Whatever you choose to do. I can't tell you to do one thing versus another because, like like Rob said, we are not in the position of giving any legal advice and we will refer you to the proper authorities as far as telling you to obtain your own lawyer uh, as far as requesting information on legal advice. But you are ultimately responsible whether or not it's a decision on whether you're going to go to the grocery store today or if you're going to take a defensive stance against somebody that's in your home or on your property. So that's the only, that's the best advice that I can give to people that ask me that question. I yeah. know it's a general catch all and it's not the answer they necessarily want, but they have to be able to consider and weigh their options and weigh the consequences.
1: Yeah. And, and I don't know if too many attorneys that are going to answer that question either. No, you know, they're not. Um, because, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things that, um, uh, you have to be responsible for your actions, you know, and, and maybe a better example of what I was trying to say would not be only the road rage thing, but say somebody walked up to you, you're sitting on a park bench and they punch you in the eye. Uh, you don't have to retreat at that time. You can actually defend yourself. Uh, but defending yourself only goes but so far. That right. means that as soon as you can get away and alert authorities, uh, then that is your responsibility to do so. You know, it doesn't mean that you can jump on the guy and just pound him into the ground because he punched you first. Right. Uh, however, the opposite of that is if you're the guy that's walking up to the guy on the park bench and you push the guy in, well, you say that you walk up to the guy on the park bench and, and he's playing his radio real loud and you say, Hey, turn that radio down. I'm tired of listening to it. Uh, and, and he says, no, go away, man. I, I, you know, I'm not bothering you. And This is my freedom of expression. I'm in fact, I'm going to stand up and start dancing and he stands up and starts dancing and then you push that guy. Uh, and then he starts punching you at that point you have to retreat okay cuz you instigated the situation right so that's something that that folks need to understand is if you in instigate the situation then you have the burden to retreat uh rather than just go on the offensive at that point all right or or, or else you will definitely be charged with that so just keep that in mind uh, we'll we'll go more into that because i think that that, that, in order to really talk to you more about that, we'd have to actually talk about, you know, capital murder versus oh, yeah. first degree murder versus second degree murder and involuntary and voluntary manslaughter, uh, which is probably a show in itself uh, to explain all those things. And, and because people hear these terms, but really don't know exactly uh, what the, you know, in some cases, the fine line or what some people might call the gray area mm-hmm. from it turning into voluntary versus involuntary mm-hmm. or, you know, going down the the rank as far as, you know, murder one, two, or capital murder. And
2: even state by state, some of the charges that are, that are similar are called different things. So they can Mm -hmm. be confusing to people that maybe they moved here and, or maybe they moved away from Virginia and that's not what they call them where they are. Um, So there's a lot of different avenues to explore there, but I just wanted to touch, touch base on that. for That's a good topic.
1: topic. Yeah, it's a good topic. And we'll, we'll definitely hit it uh, here in the next couple of weeks for sure. And, Joe, I guess this is a good time to uh, pay tribute to a fallen officer.
2: Uh, yes, I'd like to pay tribute to Investigator Maisha Breanne Stewart from the Greenville Police Department in Mississippi. End of watch was Tuesday, October the 11th, 2022. Investigator Maisha Stewart was shot and killed near the intersection of Reed Road and Rebecca Street during a vehicle pursuit at about 7.30 p.m. Greenville officers and deputies with the Washington County Sheriff's Office were pursuing a subject who had fled after shooting his girlfriend. Uh, The subject was taken into custody following the pursuit. Investigator Stewart is survived by her three-year-old son and her parents.
1: Well, we definitely pay tribute to that officer and all the fallen officers and canines. And, Joe, I forgot to mention one thing. Uh, Joe and I were invited, and we attended... The second annual law enforcement appreciation event at Liberty University yesterday, yep. we wanted to send a shout out to them and thank Liberty University for hosting such a great event. Yes, they uh, were. And we also wanted to um, just say, hey, we re- really appreciate Attorney General Miara's coming out and uh, putting on his uh, speech because it was it was a really good speech.
2: It was. It he was he I was very impressed yeah. uh, with the Attorney General.
1: Absolutely. And, and all the folks that spoke, you know, Absolutely. Uh, Jonathan Falwell came oh, in yeah. and did our prayer for us and everything. So just a, a, a quality organization all the way around and Liberty School of Law. We really appreciate you hosting us and all your folks over there treated us so well. Uh, and we really, really, truly appreciate you. And folks, we just want you to remember that, you know, we do this because we love you and uh, we're dedicated to you. We're your friends, we're your neighbors, and most of all, We are your police department, and we thank you for your support. I'm Captain Robert Kimbrell.
2: I'm Sergeant Joe Dooley. Bedford, be safe.